Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to Parkview. Glad to have you here. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we got to celebrate with our family out in California. Everybody all came out together and had a big California Thanksgiving. Not quite the same, but got to be together and I hope you had a great time. We're doing at the movies again this year. Um, all new movies except for this one, obviously. Uh, last year we did Elf and Vacation and Christmas Story and this one. And obviously you just kind of have to let your mind go crazy as to what we're doing this year. There's still plenty of them out there. And we we want to uh, encourage you to be thinking right now, we've got popcorn invites again this year, be thinking about who you're going to invite for the Christmas Eve services. We got 24 of them this year, <laughs> 24 at all three of our campuses, um, whether you're at home or whether you're at New Lenox, whether you're at Orland, 24 of them. And uh, we couldn't even list them all on here. Okay. We just got this for you. And there's a website so you can tell when they all are. We want to really play this up because this is the most most important time of the year and it's the most wonderful time of the year and we, that's why we're kind of having fun with this okay Jesus used movies to uh, uh, teach I mean he didn't like really have movies in his day you know he had stories but but he, he did the same thing and that's what we're doing so today is uh, Rudolph my first memory of Rudolph is in black and white you youngins don't even remember that, you know, TV was in black and white back in the day. You still remember standard definition. It was bad standard definition, okay? So don't whine about not having 4K. Uh, you know, back in, uh, some of the people that are in your room right now listening to you used aluminum foil to help get a television signal. I know it's weird to think about now, but, but that's how it was. And it was really weird watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in black and white because uh, they couldn't really do the red thing. Thing, right? They could make it sort of flash. That's what they did. But it wasn't the same in black and white. When you finally got it in color, it was awesome. And the other thing is you had to watch. I'm just going to do the old man guy thing here. Okay. You had to watch it when it was on. There was no way to tape it, no way to DVR it. So it was a big deal when Rudolph came on because that was like 364 days until you were going to get the chance to see it again. So you had to make sure you cleared the calendar. The Rudolph story actually hit NBC in 1964. It was written as a promotional gimmick for the Montgomery Ward stores, believe it or not. It almost didn't make it because Montgomery Ward corporate suits thought that uh, the red nose might be associated with drunkenness and people might worry that Rudolph was inebriated when his, when his nose gl glowed. No, that was, it was okay. Um, and, and they got a song for it. Gene Autry did it. It went on to become the second best-selling song of all time behind anybody. Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey. No, no, it was white Christmas top selling record of all time. But Rudolph was number two. And I want to recap the characters for you. If you're like, why are we doing Rudolph? I want to recap the characters. And I think it's going to make sense with the Christmas story as, as we do this all together. Okay. First of all, obviously you have Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, um, born different than everybody else, had a glowing red nose. And for some reason that disqualified him from the reindeer games. I don't really know why, but it did. And then you have Hermie, the elf, who was a little bit odd because he wanted to be a dentist. And, and the mean big boss elf says, no, you're going to be a toy maker. That's how it's going to go. You're going to conform or else you're out of a job. That was the kind of stress and pressure that Hermie was, was dealing with. Then you had, of course, Santa, but, but, but in Rudolph, it's kind of crabby Santa. It's 
isn't it? You know, I mean, even at one point, there's a part where the choir gets together to do a song for him. And for some reason, he's just not impressed and he just leaves the room. Okay. Evidently, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is not singing loud for all to hear or Santa needs some Lexapro. We don't really know, but he's not happy. We have Clarice, right? The lovely Clarice. You got a little love story, a little Hallmark going on in here, right? And by the way, we are not doing any Hallmark Christmas movies. I just want to take that off the plate right now just so that you understand, okay? But you got a little love story going on here, a little doe who's blinded by love, and she's not bothered by the shiny red nose. She sees something in Rudolph and is a little bit forward, I mean, because like on their very first walk home, she sang to him. Do you remember that? And I'm going to suggest that if you're, you know, young and you don't understand this, that's not a good first date thing. Don't, don't do that. Okay. Then there's Yukon Cornelius, this comedy relief guy, right? You got to have this guy. He's in search of gold and he's in search of silver and he kept licking things. Did you, do you ever remember this? He's, he's licking things at the North Pole. This, this movie was obviously released well before the Christmas story movie was released so that now we know what happens when you lick poles in cold temperatures. And of course, the abominable, the abominable snow monster. I mean, he's creepy, he's scary. When he would come on the screen as a kid, right, you would go hiding under the covers or, or, or cowering somewhere, even though you knew after the first time you saw it that he just had a toothache, he was still very, very scary. And Sam the Snowman, we don't know, you know, why he's in the story. We don't know why he knows everything. He's like former CIA or something. We don't know. He knows everything about everybody. Long story short, all these guys end up running away together, and they end up on the saddest place of all. And this is, this is where I want to tie this into the Christmas story. The Island of Misfit Toys. Robert May is the uh, one who wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and he wrote this story based on his childhood because he felt like, as a child, he was taunted, he was bullied, he was made fun of, and he was teased all the time. Yeah, it's a wonderful day unless you've been forgotten, right? I think the reason this story became so popular was because of the underlying story about being misfits about not being able to belong, people who don't fit in, which is at some point all of us, right? At some time in your life and maybe even presently in your life, you've been there. You know what it likes to be on the outside looking in and it hurts. And not all the stuff was on the outside either. I mean, people don't know what's going on on the inside. If you're the curious type like me, I was like, well, what's wrong with the dolly for Sue? I mean, she looked like a perfectly good dolly. You know what I'm saying? And for years, everybody speculated. And finally, in 2007, Arthur Rankin came out on a, a, pub, uh, on a PBS station and said, oh, well, the dolly for Sue had self-esteem issues. That's why she was there. So there you go. Now, now it's all solved. I mean, you, but you can't see. Uh, I mean, everything's not on the outside, right? And if you want to know something that's amazing about the Christmas story is that it's really misfits as well. As a matter of fact, I would dare say that the Christmas story, the heart of the Christmas story is actually for misfits like you and for me. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
All right, I know you've heard that so many times. It just kind of goes blah, blah, blah in your mind. I get it, okay? And let me break it down for you. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Translation, he was a guy who knew and obeyed the word of God. Like religiously, that's what he did. So he knew what the law said about sex outside of marriage. And penalties in their community for Mary, somebody like Mary, who appeared had had relations outside of marriage, was stoning. I mean, he knew he wasn't the father, so he was really in a quandary. Basically, it felt like as a righteous man, he was with an unrighteous woman. And we've heard this story so many times, but we forget, guys, this is like Maury Povich show stuff going on here, right? According to our test results, Joseph, you are not the father. Well, that's not the worst of it, though. How do you deal with a woman who's going to have a child and you know isn't yours, and she says, God made me pregnant? you start to move the infidelity to the back burner a little bit and start to consider the ramifications of living the rest of your life with the woman who's on the crazy train, right? So, so in his righteous ways, he knew it was up to him how he was going to handle it, and he wasn't going to live the rest of his life with that, so, but he didn't want to like, throw her under the bus and, and get her in trouble, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's, that's my translation. There you go. Okay. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, as what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus because it means Savior. He will save the people from their sins. All right. That's awesome. Except for this one little problem. God didn't tell anybody else. You know, when we see pictures of Mary now, um, every time we see a picture of Mary, she's got like a halo around her head, right? Which is cool, but she didn't actually have one of those. You know this, right? I mean, it'd be nice if the entire time she walked around pregnant, she was just walking around with a halo over her head. But she didn't have that. All she had was this, okay? Now, who is that? Oh, that's Mary. You know, she's pregnant. Well, I don't see, you know, who's the dad? Well, I don't see a halo. No, there's not, there's not a halo. We don't really know. Nobody else was going to believe it, okay? Instead, you have this couple that's walking around that you can't help but assume broke God's laws. And worse yet, are telling you that it's God's baby, you know, blaming it on that, okay? Not only is it ludicrous and unbelievable, but it would have literally been blasphemous to these people. These are people who would not even say the name of God out of respect for God. And, th- and these two are saying, oh, yeah, Yahweh, you know, this is, this is his deal. I mean, you're talking about misfits. So the census happens, and they get to Bethlehem, uh, you know, probably glad to get out of town because nobody's going to know much about them, and there's no room available for them. Is it intriguing to me? I mean, it feels like there's one of those old Western movies, you know, where they, they see the people coming and they're grabbing their kids and locking the doors and closing the shutters. Hide your kids, hide your wives kind of thing. You know, that's what it feels like. I mean, it was a town of his relatives. You would think that we would see a pregnant woman and, and, and there would be a guest room available for them. But this issue never really seems to go away for Jesus either. If you, if you really walk through this journey, you can see Jesus is arguing with the, with the religious leaders. I always smile when I say that because he just did it a lot, and it was so fun. And he very untactfully says, yeah, your father's the devil. Like, literally, this is John 8. And they come back at him. Listen to this. Well, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. Only a, the only father we have is God himself. That's a little shot, okay? We're not illegitimate children. Like, you can say our father's the devil, but at least we know who our daddy is. 
Jesus never really outran the reputation that, that he was an illegitimate child. Later on, believing in his hometown, uh, preaching in his hometown, they're disbelieving there too. And listen to what they say. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, you know, and, and the brother of, you know, all these guys and aren't his sisters here? And they took offense at him. I, I just want to point that out. You never talked about somebody's being uh, the mother's son. It was always Joseph's son, right? It was always the son of the dad because women didn't really count back then. It was always the son of the dad. So this was a way of saying, well, we know Mary was your mom, but we don't really know who your dad was. This was their way of saying, we really need to call Maury Povich, okay? That's what they were doing. And I think this is a big deal because it shows that to me, it shows that maybe the Island of Misfit Toys and the whole idea of, the, of what Jesus came to do and the reason he had no problem touching the untouchables was because he grew up in that kind of an environment. I, mean, I write about this in the book I'm, I'm working on right now. Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman in the middle of the day by a well. And this was a day when, when a Jew didn't talk to a Samaritan and a man didn't talk to a woman and nobody was talking to this woman because she was there in the middle of the day because she's being ostracized because she's had five husbands and doesn't live with a guy, doesn't, isn't married to the guy she lives with. And Jesus is talking to her. Don't you think the reason that he had no problem talking with a woman like this was because he knew what it felt like to be associated with the misfits and the outcasts? Jesus' nickname was friend of sinners, okay? And this was not a compliment coming from where it was coming from. And I think he was comfortable with the so-called second-class citizens of the day because he was raised by one. And I wonder if when that woman who was caught in the act of adultery was thrown at Jesus' feet and they all had their rocks and they were like, what should we do with her, Jesus? I wonder if he wasn't also thinking of this woman and also thinking that that could have been his mother. She could have suffered the same fate. And not that she, that she did anything, but, but they thought she did. And I think Jesus loves the misfits and he loves the outcasts and he came for the misfits and the outcasts. That's why this needs to be seen a little bit differently for you. This crash, this nativity scene. No, it's really the island of misfit toys. I mean, you got, you got Mary and Joseph in here, right? No room for them. Everybody's talking about them. Ooh, they messed up, right? Then you got, you got the shepherds here, right? Misfits for several reasons. They were unclean because they, they worked with animals, so they were not welcome in the house of God. They literally couldn't go into a place of worship, and they smelled bad, okay? I don't know if you've been around a farm, bunch of city folks, you know, but, but if you've been around a farm, you, you, you slept and ate with the animals and smelled like them too. I grew up in Oklahoma in a small town in Oklahoma and we had farm boys that went to our school and you could tell which ones had already been to the barn that day. You know what I mean? That th these were, th th these were misfits, did the lowest profession there was. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, living in the fields, Right keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Who, us? Yeah, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is Messiah, the Lord. What kind of a statement do you think the angel was trying to make here? She's flying, the, the, this angel is flying over uh, Jerusalem. The angel is flying past Rome, 
past the, the, the centers of power and education and commerce and making his way out to the fields, out to the boondocks. I've been to this place in Israel, the shepherd's field. It's still the boondocks today. And usually the grown-ups leave the taking care of the flocks at night to the kids. Because, you know, I'm like, this is your job. I'm going to go to bed. I'm old. I have to sleep, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, right. So probably the first recipients of the news of the Savior weren't just shepherds. They were very young shepherds which would have been appropriate because Bethlehem is the city of David, who was a youngest child in his family and a shepherd. And when the, when the prophet came to anoint the next king, his seven brothers got laid out and, and he didn't even get to be there because they thought there's no way David's going to be the king. And they were like, no, he's, he's out in the field. We got to go get him. City of David. My point is, this is the night shift of the lowliest job that existed. That's the island of misfit toys. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And the shepherds had to be going, what? Are you talking to me? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For who? For all the people, which means all the misfits. Say that with me. All the people means all the misfits. Say it again. All the people means all the misfits. Okay. Even the misfits. Maybe especially the misfits. Maybe you walked in here today. Maybe you're watching this online and you're like, man, I, I, yeah, I could never go to that church. Maybe you walked in here and you're thinking, man, these people... It's a good thing they don't know about me. It's a good thing that it's not on the outside where my life is so smelly. If that preacher knew what I'd done, I uh, can't believe God would ever love me the way after I've stunk up my life. I'm on the island of misfit toys. Please know the first announcement from God was to shepherds. Okay? And, and we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago in, in our theme vision sermon you aren't bad enough to stay away from God, and you aren't good enough to deserve to be with him. So there's no fence. There's no gates here. This is all us. When Jesus started his ministry, he did it this way. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to build a church for the island of misfit toys, the prisoners, for the blind, for those of us who, who are feeling far away. That's what he came for. And then you've got the turban guys in here, right? What about the wise men? Well, what, what do you do with that? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And the wise men really intrigued me. Their gifts were expensive, so we know they were rich. So you've got the really rich and the really poor contrast in here, right? At different ends of the spectrum, all in your little nativity set. But it's not the wealth of these guys that intrigues me nearly as much as their religious background. I mean, they're astrologers. As were most of the non-Jewish religions of the day, they thought that the stars showed them things which was ironically why they gladly followed one here. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, like 
a horoscope, right? We're talking, we're talking about looking at the stars and figuring out where to go. Have you, have you really thought about that? Or have you just heard this story so many times it's not processing? I've told the story several times, but it cracks me up. I had this guy follow me on, on Twitter one time, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. I clicked on his, on his picture, and it said, world-renowned psychic. <laughs> well, I'm not following him. I mean, I figured if he was that good, he already knew I wasn't going to follow him, so it really didn't matter, right? But, th but think about this. I wouldn't follow a guy on social media who thinks he can read the stars, but God used the stars and invited people who did that to his son's birthday celebration, and they're up on your mantle. And they were Gentiles, okay? They were non-Jews. The wise men represented the Messiah's relationship to the Gentile world and allowed us to understand that all of us who weren't Jews, who didn't come from the Old Testament background, that all of us are welcome in the New Testament background. All of us are welcome in the kingdom of God. But Matthew doesn't condemn their astrology. He doesn't complain about their background or their heritage or even the fact that they screwed up and went to the wrong place because they assumed that, 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 that the king was going to be at Herod, right? And they went to Herod, and Herod ended up killing a bunch of babies because they screwed up and went to the wrong place. And Jesus' family had to run away to Egypt. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn them for that. It just all goes back to this. All the people means all the misfits. And this is significant. Because from the world's standpoint, none of these are the right people to be at the birth of Christ, except for his parents. You want to talk about the island of the misfit toys, and they felt like the island of misfit toys, even his parents. According to Old Testament law, neither the shepherds nor the wise men would have been welcomed into the, into the religious part of the temple because they were unclean, because they were with the sheep, or because they were in the wrong religion. They could have been outside of the good place in the temple, but they couldn't be in and worship. And at Christmas, both groups are not only welcomed by God, they are called by God. And uh, I don't know if Mary and Joseph would have been welcomed in the temple if priests at the temple knew the situation that they'd come from and hadn't believed them. Of course, in the end, Rudolph is about the fact that what he thought was a handicap was actually a tool. Let's watch the resolution happen, and then we'll close this out. I love how in the end, the darkness, the fog, the depression, the distress is changed by a single light. Light of Rudolph that brings joy and happiness because they know for the first time they're going to get to be a part of a home, a home where they're going to be loved. And if you can't see the parallel, man, this is a, long before Rudolph was ever written. That's exactly the story that God wrote when he sent his son. There's a dark world, and we know it's dark, and we see it every day all around us. And I mean, you have stuff that people can't even see from the outside that's going on on the inside, like the Dolly for Sue. And a lot of us have stuff going on, and we're hopeless, and we're lost, and we're stranded on the island of misfits. And that would be our destiny. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I mean, I, I don't want to over-spiritualize Rudolph, but there is this really random character who is king over all the misfits. Remember that guy? King Moonracer. He's a lion and a king. 
which is fascinating biblical parallel. Charlie in the Box says that King Moonracer searches the world every night for unwanted and misfit toys and brings them home. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's who we are as a church. We've committed to that. We're a hospital, spiritual hospital. And I hope you know that that's the message of the gospel. I suppose those misfit toys could have chosen not to go with King Moonracer. And you're going to have to make the decision if you're going to accept that light. And, and that light of you in the darkness is going to be the light of world because he's our only hope. You're going to have to decide that. But the question I have for you is why wouldn't you? He's here to love the island of misfit toys. That's what this is all about. I had a friend send me this incredible video, it, it gets to me every time I watch it, about a company in Switzerland who is trying to make the world a better place by replacing perfect mannequins with reality. I know it sounds weird, but don't you get tired of seeing those plastic people, you know, that are supposed to be a representation of us and they don't really look like real people? I don't think I look like that anyway. Um, this is what Jesus came to help us to understand that he understands the island of misfit toys. He came to love the island of misfit toys. And when we look, we can see who he is as the light of the world and we can join him. And that's what Christmas is really all about.